the hard shoulder. With Nissan. Number one for petrol in Ireland. Number one for electric. Nissan. Innovation that excites. This is News Talk. Alright, well we've a new innovation called a Landmark Friday series and each week we're going to talk about really iconic structures and and, and identifiable uh, property and, and buildings and so on across the globe uh, which really stand out. Today we're talking about the history of the Eiffel Tower. Um, obviously it is, it, is, it is just unbelievable in terms of representing uh, visible display of Paris. It's a great pleasure to talk us through this landmark series. Architectural historian Danielle O'Donovan, who joins us now from our Cork studio. Welcome to the programme and welcome to the Friday Landmark series, Danielle. Um, first of all, what makes the Eiffel Tower so iconic? Well, I think when it opened its doors, Ivan, in 1889, the most iconic thing about it is it was the tallest building or the tallest structure, we have to be careful, in the world. Um, the tallest up to then had been the Washington Monument in the US and that was 169 metres high. But the Eiffel Tower is 300 metres high or 1,000 feet. So it totally blew everything else out of the water. Um, and there'd been a lot of talk about this idea of building a thousand foot tower in different countries. So in England, they talked about building one to mark the abolition of slavery. And the Americans have been talking about getting one up for one of their world's fairs. But it hadn't happened. And um, Eiffel was the first man to do it in building this tower in Paris. So there was a lot of jealousy around. And when was it built? So it was built in 1889 as um, the landmark structure of this Exposition Universelle, and you'll have to uh, excuse my West Cork French accent, Mm. but um, they they were celebrating the centenary of the French Revolution. And it was a six-month-long fair that celebrated everything that was good about France. And the Eiffel Tower was really to be the jewel in the crown. And it was an instant hit with the public. Two million people visited in that six-month period. And actually, in the first week, they hadn't got the lifts working. So 30,000 people actually walked to the top of it, which I can't imagine doing myself. I'm not sure about you, Evan. It's 300 metres high. Yes, Now I have, I, I, I have been to it. And I, I, I got as far, you know, the restaurant level. I just was, yes. I, I got, I, I have a bit of vertigo, afraid of heights, so I didn't get any higher. Tell me, what was the point of the building? Was it as a tourist? Like, because you, you, you kind of, the difficulty I had, is it a building? Is it a structure? Like, what was the original point of it? Well, they wanted to showcase everything that was good about France in this in this great exhibition. They'd been having a bit of political trouble. Uh, any Leaving Cert people out there who did their Leaving Cert in the 90s will remember the Boulanger affair that had just kind of ended and they really needed to do a kind of jazz hands. France is amazing. And so this exhibition was celebrating 100 years since the French Revolution and it was a kind of smoke and mirrors exercise to say France is... France is thriving. France is amazing. And the Eiffel Tower was really the, the landmark uh, statement of that exhibition. Uh, but it wasn't an instant hit with everyone. No, not at all. Um, it got, came in for a lot of criticism. So it was an architectural competition. And they can be really interesting because people really push the boat out to try and win. And there'd been 117, uh, 107 entries, sorry. Um, one, of them was a, one of them was a big sun column. And there was also a giant guillotine, which was pretty literal in that whole celebration of 100 years since the, uh, the revolution. But they, they pushed that aside. It was a bit too literal. Um, but as Eiffel began to build the tower... 
uh, people started to really criticise it and say, you know, this doesn't represent France. Um, the great uh, beginner of the arts and crafts movement in England, William Morris, was scathing about it. And actually a group of 46 famous Parisian artists came together and they wrote a public letter of opposition. Thank goodness there wasn't Twitter then, right? But they, they said in, in the papers, do not for a moment doubt that the Eiffel Tower, which even commercial America would not want on its soil, disgraces Paris. Everyone feels it, everyone says it, everyone is profoundly saddened by it and we are only a faint echo of the public opinion. When foreigners visit our exposition, they will cry out in astonishment, is this horror what the French have created to display their vaunted taste? (laughs) And tell us, what do we know of Mr Eiffel himself? Well, he was from central uh, France um, and he was his father was a soldier. His mother was from a kind of um, an industrial family who had a coal transportation business and she was a serious entrepreneur and she'd kind of tried to encourage that bent in Eiffel and he ended up going to a technical college in Paris and working with a number of um, of engineers who were uh, stars of their day, I suppose, or were very successful businessmen. And he started his own business and was very famous in his own right as a as a kind of a civil engineer for building bridges where people didn't think you could build a bridge. So, you know, big kind of um, valleys where people thought you just wouldn't get a road over it. His ability with building in iron had allowed things like that to happen. Now, um, though, it, you know, it is a complex structure uh, and, you know, it's not bricks and mortar, like you'd build a skyscraper. Um, There must have been a huge civil engineering, getting the materials, um, you know, the engineering on it itself. What were the difficulties of the construction phase? I suppose the interesting thing is it's pre-skyscraper, but what's in the Eiffel Tower is almost what's in the inside of a skyscraper, you know. Um, Iron was was a material that was really used at the time for civil engineering. You might find it in a bridge or a railway station. It was weird to use it for a piece of architecture, but um, Eiffel was just a genius at using it and he had some great young engineers in in his office. Um, He had a big manufacturing plant just outside Paris, so that helped. He was able to manufacture all of the components himself and he was a brilliant project manager so he managed the whole operation from his plant where lots of the pieces were made. I think there were something like 1800 pieces that were put together to make the building happen but he did it in an amazing amount of time like two two years, one month and one week I think. So he was a great organiser and that's how it happened so well. And, and you know for these really really outstanding structures they are often but like the National Children's Hospital, go way over budget. You said it was built on time. Was it built in budget? I think it was. And you know what the, the genius of this was? Um, Eiffel won the competition and uh, I think that the authorities were first going to give him all the money to build it. And then they said, actually, we can only afford a third or a half. So Eiffel had to cover the, the rest himself. And he was to get back the profits or be paid back for his investment through people visiting the tower and paying. So there was a great incentive there, Ivan, for him to do a good job and finish on time. Um, But interestingly, there was one problem, and that was the whole building was supposed to be a celebration of France and French engineering and materials. And uh, he did very well up to the point where he needed to find lifts because nobody was going to walk to the top of that tower. And he could only use an American company. Okay, um, it survived two world wars. Uh, under the occupation of Germany, was it ever threatened? 
I don't think it was ever threatened. It, it was too useful. I mean, there's, I think during bomber raids and things like that, things like great landmarks get left up because you can fly by them uh, in an age before all of those dials and radar and things. Uh, you, you actually use them for navigation. Right. And maintenance. You, you see Leinster House is completely being full of scaffolding and being resurfaced. I'm sure the stonework. What is the maintenance? Does will, will the metal corrode over time? And was it originally painted yellow and does it have to be repainted? I think it is painted on a very regular basis um, because they have to... Iron is... Uh, susceptible to corrosion, you know, and that was one of the great arguments of all these architects who said, oh no, you can't use iron, you must use stone because stone lasts and iron doesn't. Um, So there is a very strict maintenance kind of schedule and even things like the lifts, they've been renewed several times. They have tried to keep the originals going just because the experience of going in a Victorian lift is quite exciting, but they're constantly renewing it. Wouldn't they? It's the most popular visitor attraction in the world. Something like 7 million people visit a year, so it's worth the investment of keeping it up there. How much does it cost to go right to the top? I see the cheapest ticket is 10 euro, but I'm sure it's scaled up yeah. uh, from there. You and know? I'm sure the restaurant is pretty pricey uh, in it. And so overall, would you say this is the most iconic structure in the whole of France? That's a good question. That's a good question. It's, it's still really exciting to see. And I think that's because there isn't any high rise in in the centre of Paris. So that experience of people in 1889 walking up to it and seeing it is the same as today because nothing dwarfs it. So it's a really exciting building to see because all of the Paris high rises way out there in a place called La Défense, which is a kind of exciting version of Sandyford, you know. And so the Eiffel Tower remains kind of this very I guess, expressive, exciting building in the centre of the city. People, it says on the website that the Eiffel Tower is the symbol of France. So that's pretty iconic. Indeed it is. Well, that marks the first of our landmark series on a Friday when we look at different iconic structures and buildings in the pleasure uh, and and the research of architectural historian Danielle O'Donovan, who I should have said is programme manager of the Nanonagel Place in Cork City. Look forward to talking to you again next Friday. My thanks to Danielle. And if you have any particular uh, anecdotes or memories or experiences of the Eiffel Tower, good or bad, do text us 53106. Thank you, Danielle. 